It's good to see everybody who has made it out this morning. We're so thankful for your presence. And I pray that something that I can say this morning will be beneficial to you, uh, whether you're an unbelieving Christian or unbelieving um, person or, or a Christian that follows Jesus. I hope that we can reinvigorate ourselves in some way this morning. Uh, we're going to be studying a little bit in 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. And 1 Peter was written to the uh, Christians in that time who were dispersed because of the destruction of Jerusalem and who were under, under extreme persecution. And this was a letter to Peter or from Peter to these uh, Christians to kind of just hold on, keep fighting, keep pressing on. And even though that was the application in those days, we can certainly take the things that Peter wrote and apply those to our lives today. We'll read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Or, I'm sorry, verses 11 through 12. It says there, and I'm going to be reading through with the English Standard Version. It says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And in this lesson, I want to show two realities in the world that, that we can apply based on what God uh, has told us in these passages. And I want us to urge us in a couple ways based on those realities on how to apply those at this time. And I, I want to use the word urge because I think that's the right word. It's a, it's a, we have some urgency that we need to be um, that, that is in these verses that we need to apply. I urge you, the, the language is, is of a passion that is written here by Peter. And there's a lot of emotion in these two verses. And I want us to understand the realities that I'm going to go through, just two of these, and, and understand them and think on them. And one reality tends us to urge, have an urging and, uh, based on that reality, and the second reality will have an urging based on that reality as well. So the first reality, based on these verses that we have here, is that we live in a world that wars against our souls. 1 Peter 2.11 says that there are passions in our flesh that are driven by the world in ways that wage war on our soul. God is telling us there is a battle going on spiritually that is waging war on our soul. And it's urgent. We need to feel the urgency that Peter is telling us here. In our soul, the war that is going on, our soul can be destroyed. I'm not saying it, God's saying it. And there is a war that is waging that we need to be aware of. There are passions, desires, thoughts, ways in this world that are working to destroy uh, our soul little by little. It's not an instant thing. It's a slow process that wars against our soul. If we... You know, on TV or streaming online, our phone, social media, in the world of business, school and home, everywhere that we look, the war is inescapable and it is intentional. And if we think about it, there are so few things on TV or streaming online that are, desi that are designed to actually nourish our soul and our passion for God. App developers on our phone 
uh, you know, the engineers behind Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, they're not thinking, how can I nurture people's passion for God? That is not the point that they're going for. Whatever news outlets that we choose to watch, any news outlet has an agenda. And we're not talking about just a political agenda. We're talking about a spiritual agenda um, to show you that good and evil that are, are often contrary to the word of God. So we need to be urging ourselves. I want to urge you to not be foolish. That the world that we live in is not neutral. The world we are in inundates us all the time with messages from every moment of every day. All day long, all week long, saying that money, acclaim, entertainment, sex, drink, drugs, and success are what we need. And we don't want to buy that message. It is a lie. We need to open our eyes, and there is a battle. And the word that God uses here is the word war. Waging at every moment in this world to pull us away from God, to pull us away from the world, or to pull you toward uh, the world and away from His word. And to pull you away from what matters most in the world. And that's why Jesus said, for, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Matthew 16, 26. That tells us that our soul can be lost. That passage right there tells us our soul can be lost. And when the soul is lost, there's no way to get it back. When the war for our soul is lost, it's lost forever. And the Bible teaches very clearly that when we die, our souls continue on. And you and I will enter into, an ever, into either everlasting joy with God or, either, or everlasting judgment away from God. And, you know, we may say, say, you know, everlasting judgment. You know, I thought God was good. I thought God was loving. And yes, he is. God loves us so, so much. He loves us so much. Even though you and I have deserved judgment before him for our sins, he loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. To die on the cross, to pay the price for you and our sins, to endure the judgment that we deserve so that when we believe and obey the gospel of Jesus to save us from our sins, to save our soul, God will forgive us if we follow the gospel. The Bible is also saying that you can gain the whole world. You can have everything in this world and still lose your soul. What matters most in the world is not what we have. On the day we die, the only thing that will matter is if we have Jesus. And in light of that reality, there is a world you know, that wages war against our soul. Based upon God's word, the urging that I want to give is we need to resist the world. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Abstain from those passions and desires. We need to actively resist those passions that... This world has upon us. And this is where this passage really kind of convicted me. Um, there are so many of you and myself who tend 
to sometimes profess Christianity, that we are Christians, but sometimes we are sleeping through the middle of a war. That we are not actively resisting the world, living for this world. We don't realize that we've forgotten that we are strangers and aliens in this world. That means we don't live for what this world lives for. We don't live for what the advertisers are selling on social media or offering or uh, for such pride and money and success that the world issues as lures. These are lures that the world wants you to believe are good. We don't live for those things. We resist the lures of the world. And this means we must be on guard when watching things, when listening to things, when hearing things, and when reading things. We can't scroll through our phone mindlessly. We don't listen to or read the news mindlessly. We need to guard our minds, our thoughts, our emotions, and your subsequent words and actions. We don't think like the world thinks. We don't feel like the world feels or desire, desire what the world desires. We don't speak like the world speaks. We don't act like the world acts. Why? Because we're exiles. We're aliens. We're different from the world. We're living for a whole different world. It's not like we're just foreigners here. We're, you know, we're just, we're from another, we're, some people can say, you know, from another planet, in a sense. We're working for something else. We're not working for this world. And that changes everything on how we view. 1 Peter 2, 1 says that we are to put away all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. We are to resist those things. We don't tear down people in this world. We are to love our enemies. That's our stature. That's our posture. That's what we stand for. We pray for them. If you spend more time despising people in your mind than praying for them, I think we could say that we are living for the world in a sense in that way. And we are losing the battle. Constantly thinking about despising persons or, or hate or whatever the case may be, we are losing a battle. We are sojourners and pilgrims or exiles. That means we think, talk, and live differently. And verse 12 says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. And the reference here is to Gentiles. Uh, the word Gentiles here is a way of saying that those who are unbelievers in that time, uh, those who do not know, go, not know God. And the Bible says to honor God with your conduct. conduct. Show that there's another way to live. Reser resist the luring temptations of the world, the temptations to sexual immorality in a world that is so skewed God's design for men and women, for marriage. We are to live differently according to 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Thessalonians 4. We resist temptations to anger, disputes, and dissensions in a world that thrives on fighting and quarreling, James 4. We live differently than that. We resist temptations to love money and hoard resources in the world. We live differently. We sacrifice money. We give away our resources for people in need in this world, 1 Timothy 6. 
That is what God is urging us to do today. To resist the world. Abstain from the passions of flesh. Live for other passions and better passions. We might read this verse sometimes and think that the Bible is calling us to a passionate, passionate-less life. To emotionless, empty, empty, hollow, boring, avoiding all the good stuff in this world. No, that's, that's not what he's telling us to do here. It's interesting that uh, uh, in these two verses, there's two sentences in the English, but in the uh, original, it's actually one sentence. It's one continuous thought. They go together. God is calling us for a life of full of passion, full of emotion, full of zeal for that which really matters, and that's what which really fits or which really fills. And we'll see that in the second reality here. So the first reality is we live in a world that wars against our soul. And the second reality is that we live in a world that wants to belittle God. When we get to 1 Peter 2.12, the Bible says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that... So that... And this means there's a purpose here. So what's the purpose? So that when they speak against you as evildoers, here's what will happen. They may see your good deeds and then do what? And you will glorify God on the day of visitation. So the end of all this is ultimately for the glory of God. All we do is for the glory of God. The major problem in this world is that, is that we live in a world that wants to belittle God and that God is not being glorified. So if we look around in the world, we'll see a world that is saying there are all kinds of problems that are more important, but here the Bible saying clearly that the major problem in this world is that God is not being glorified. We need to reorient our thinking. We need to live in a world, or we live in a world where God is ignored. If we just look at the apps on our phone, Watch TV, stream online, scroll through social media, listen to national conversation. The fear of God is nowhere to be found. Not just in the world, but also, uh, I fear sometimes we belittle God in this world as well. We don't understand the magnitude of what we're working for. Sometimes we patronize God by the way we do things. So, you know, scores of, of people in the church, you know, just check off a box. Yeah, we went this week by attending service and then ignore his word the rest of the week long. And they're silent about him through the entire week. Offer routine patronizing prayers. Done it. Maybe just before a meal or never but never really falling on our faces and giving all of our emotion to God in prayer. In so many ways, we built our lives not centered on God, uh, the majestic, mighty, supreme authority overall. Instead, we live in a world where we've just constructed uh, a church culture in which we have built our lives centered on ourselves. That sometimes is a reality. We live in a world that wants to belittle God, to minimize Ignore and not make not make much of him. So, what do we do then in this world? 
Urging number one was that we resist the world. We abstain from the passions of the flesh and the ways of this world that are belittling God. Now the second urging is uh, we live with a different passion. Everything we do now is filtered through that different passion, a passion for God in this world. Now we can ask ourselves through that filter, does the way that I'm spending my time or money, does the way that I speak or post, does the way I work, does the way I relate to my spouse, my kids, my family, my friends, my coworkers, do these reflect passion for God? Are my words, what I post, and the relationships, are they shouting passion for God and for His glory in the world? We resist the world on one hand, then we engage the world for the glory of God. And that's what 1 Peter 2.12 is instructing us to do. Honor God with your conduct so that when they speak against you as evildoers. And that's an interesting phrase. What does evildoers mean? It means when we think, believe, desire, and live from, differently from this world with a passion for God, we will be spoken against in this world. And the verse doesn't say if, but it says when. When that happens. Not if it happens, but when it happens. As followers of Jesus, who believe the word of God, we have some very different views than the world around us. And some very unpopular views, even offensive views, that would be labeled evil in our culture. And you think about it. We believe God creates all people wonderfully and beautifully as either male or female, Genesis 1, 26 through 27. This is foundational truth from the first chapter of the Bible, and it is labeled evil, discriminatory, and unloving in our culture. We believe marriage is designed by God for one man and one woman together, Genesis 2, 24. That is a belief our country has labeled bigotry. We actually believe that any sexual activity of any kind outside of marriage between one man and one woman is a sin against God. 1 Corinthians 6, 1 Thessalonians 4. We believe that a husband is the leader of the home just as Jesus is the leader of the church. Ephesians 5. We believe abortion is murder of an innocent life being formed in a mother's womb. Psalms 139. We could keep going on and on and on with this list based on God's word that are completely contrary to what this world wants to believe. And the crazy one that we believe, we believe that a virgin gave birth to a baby and he grew up and never did one thing wrong his entire life. He died and three days later rose and walked out of his tomb. And he flew up to heaven without any mechanical assistance and one day he's going to come back. That is offensive to the world in some respects. So if we trust God and His Word, we will believe some things that are very different from this world, things that would lead to mockery, insult, slander, and will lead you to be ostracized in this world. We believe things in this world that, that labels it as evil, wrong, harmless, and dangerous. And when the world thinks like that, like this, not if, but when, we need to ask if we are going to hold fast to God's truth. The major issue facing us today and facing the church 
Are we going to hold fast to trust in God's word or are we going to compromise our beliefs for the sake of acceptance in this world? We need to pray for God's help to not compromise. We have a choice to make. We have to, you have to make that conscious choice. Are we going to trust the world or are we going to trust in God's word? What's it going to be? Teenagers, college students, or young adults, whatever the case you, you may be in, you know, I know you guys are getting so much pressure to see God's word as maybe antiquated or uh, outdated, offensive, or even evil. We, you guys are tempted every day by messages all around you in this world to leave it behind and trust in the world. And I want to urge you guys today to not do it. Don't do it. Don't trust in the world. The, the, the latest trends or the newest, most popular, accepted way of looking at things, the, that is the essence of sin. Thinking that you know what is true and right better than God does. It leads to death. It leads to the death that we don't want. It leads to destruction of your soul. We need to trust in God's world. And not just with teenagers or college students or young adults. Every single person in this war who wants to belittle God and criticize his word. I want to urge everybody here to trust in God's word no matter what it costs. In your life, work, friendships, influence, trust in his word and don't lose your soul. Then following this, the Bible says to lead such honorable lives filled with good deeds that when others think those people aren't loving over there, our lives will have evidence of a different story. We need to live that so when they attack and slander and speak against you, they will look at you and see the good deeds that bring glory to God. In other words, don't just resist the world and what it has to offer, but engage it to prove them wrong. That's what God, God is telling us to do. Do the good things. Do the good deeds. Live an honorable life so that when they come at you with the attacks, you've got evidence to prove otherwise. That is not a passionless, emotionless, empty, hollow life. That is a life that is full of showing the world how good God is. And that when, when they think that those people over there are maybe closed-minded and arrogant, they will look and see a church every week with intentional work to help those who may need help in the congregation with children or families with special needs or to help those who are elderly here that aren't able to do things on their own anymore. We show the goodness of, and the love of God to families with unique challenges. We got a brother that's going to be going in for a procedure here in the next couple days that we need to figure out how we're going to help that family out because they're going to be down and out. It's our responsibility to help them. When the people in the world are tempted to think that they, have an, they may have an offensive view of marriage and family, we show them what it looks like for a husband to lay down his life for his wife. To serve, to cherish, to nourish, to love, and to build up his wife. When marriages may break down, we show them how to fight for a marriage. To fight for what God has instituted. And when they are tempted to think that it's a, maybe a bunch of religious people in a prudish bubble over there, we show them a congregation of people 
going and sacrificing time and money for the spread of the gospel. Not so that they think that maybe that congregation over there on Plans Road is great or that person is great, this person is great. That would miss the entire point. We're not living for ourselves. We're living for God so that they will see the goodness, the good deeds and glorify God. Everything we do is for glorifying God, not for glorifying us. In a world that belittles God, uh, we want to point to the glory and goodness of God. We want to live with passion to do that. And we need to let that affect the way we speak, think, post, live, relate to other people. Filter everything through that lens and ask, how is what I'm doing today, right now, glorifying God? Then show that you're a pilgrim, a sojourner. Some translations here say stranger here, or sojourner. Living for that which matters forever on the day of visitation. Peter reminds us here, and the Bible reminds us, that there is a day coming when it's all going to be clear that this world and all it is offered is not worthy of our trust, not worthy of our passion. On that day, it will be clear that God and His Word are 100% worthy of everything that we have to give to Him. That day will make it extremely clear. So we live for that day in our own life. We need to guard our minds, guard our desires, abstain from the passions of the flesh, resist the world, engage the world, but not just with good deeds. The picture here is, is deeper than that. Yes, the good deeds, all kinds of good things, including the examples I mentioned. But in the middle of those good deeds, we need to be proclaiming God and His Word. The God who loves us so much that He gave His Son to die on a cross for our sins. He did this so that when they stand before God on that day, they will be ready to glorify Him because they will have been brought to trust in Him. We're going to be glorifying God on the final day. Every knee will bow. Whether you're bowing now, others in the world don't believe in him, there's going to be a day when everybody is going to get on their knee and praise God, whether they want to or not. So we need to prepare for that day. We need to live our life of passion, preparing people for that day. Even as we fight our own battles in our own heart, we need to help others around us. So with all that said, I want to ask, are you ready to stand before God? Are we ready? Are we confident that we're going to have eternal life with God when that day comes? Do we know for sure that we're going to be in heaven with Him one of these days? If your answer to that is not a resounding yes, if you don't know then we need to make that right. You need to have confidence. And we are told we can have confidence in knowing. So are you ready to meet God if He decides to come back later today, tomorrow, whenever it may be? Are we ready? We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com.
Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.